Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast designed to give people the inside scoops on what's going on uh, here in our church. And uh, if you recall, uh, back in September, we, we launched a slightly different format where we wanted to include some personal stories and some next-gen voices uh, into the monthly rhythm. And so we're excited to do that today from a, a next-gen perspective with one of our great uh, kind of next-generation leaders, uh, a worship leader from our St. Catharines location named Aaron Entz. So Aaron, say hi to everybody. Hey, everyone. Uh, give us a bit of just your personal background and kind of who you are and family dynamics so we can get to know you a little bit because this is your first time here. It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I've been in St. Catharines my entire life. Uh, I grew up attending a church in North End uh, called St. Catharines United Mennonite Church. I uh, met Ashley just over seven years ago. Um, we were engaged after, well, four months after I met her. Uh, <laughs> four months after that, we were married. Now we have uh, three kids. Uh, Levi's four, Jace is two, and Sierra is one. We live in Meriton. Uh, we love it, and uh, Meriton's coming back. Insane, insane. <laughs> Uh, speaking of, uh, your wife, uh, talk about what you do for a living. Cause you, you didn't, you didn't just marry the girl. You married no, the family. Yeah, and, I certainly uh, did. Yeah. Yeah. Talk yeah. About that. I was doing renovations for a while. And then, uh, one day my father-in-law just came up to me and, uh, handed me a job offer and, and, uh, I actually said no. And then I came, <laughs> I, I came crawling back six months later and I was like, actually, sorry about that. Can I have the job? And he's like, yeah, of course. And now I, uh, I'm a landscaper for my father-in-law. Yeah, for Rempel Landscapes. Rempel Landscapes. Uh, plug for Rempel Landscapes. <laughs> quality landscaping. <laughs> you spent uh, how much of your summer a few years ago in my backyard? Uh, just enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I had to leave before the pool was open, but yeah. that's it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Aaron spent probably a couple of weeks in our backyard. Did a great job. Um, it, how did you originally end up at Southridge? It wasn't for the girl, was it? Oh yeah! Oh, definitely yeah. Hundred oh, yeah. percent. You no. dated into our church. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, actually, that's the best. It's funny. I'm. I was. Uh, I was friends with a bunch of guys from here at Southridge, and then uh, Chris Feller ended up asking us to lead for Mission 360, which was a kind of missions program yeah. for the kids back in the day. And uh, Ashley was a leader there, and uh, somehow she saw me on stage and was interested. Oh. And I think through a lot of encouragements of the kids in the week, we got together. And yeah, I mean, we bo- we were both involved at either of our churches, um, but we ended up coming here, just felt like there'd be a faster transition, you know, serving Jesus yeah. here. I'm, I'm pretty good at transitions yeah, and yeah. yeah, I knew a lot of people here already too, which was helpful. Very cool. Uh, talk a little bit about, I mentioned you as a worship leader uh, here in St. Catharines, but talk about uh, just your involvement these days and what your participation in the life of our church uh, looks like. Mainly it's worship leading, um, I play acoustic, sing, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And then uh, you know I'm in a life group, and yeah, same life group for a while. Uh, we actually just started. Uh, when was it? Around Easter time, I think it was, oh, okay. or just before Easter. They had group. they had a new group, yeah, and ended up with some great people. So excellent, excellent. Okay. Um, in addition to just kind of orienting us to your kind of church experience and church background, uh, give us a bit of a picture of your faith background. Because uh, that'll really enter us into the kind of conversation that we want to have today. Yeah, um, I guess I growing up in the church, I always knew about Jesus. Um, I think as a kid who grows up in the church, I went through the yeah, similar similar kid. phases, and uh, probably around nineteen or twenty, started uh, owning my own faith, 
you know, just doing, asking the questions, what it means to actually believe, be a believer. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's a pretty simple, simple faith. Do you find even with your friends, do you find that it's around 20 ish or maybe just before after 20 ish that people generally seem to decide whether they want to own this faith for themselves? Yeah, I would, I would think in general, that's, that's about the time you're kind of, or at least, or at least for me and maybe my close friends, like that's the kind of time you start maybe acting on your faith on your own a little bit more than living the faith of your parents. Yeah. As a parent now, does it scare you that all the investment you're placing into your kids spiritually won't really matter (laughs) until they decide whether they want to actually own this for themselves? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm terribly intimidated. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, can you think back to even that era or maybe since then, um, what are, what are some of the reasons that you chose to take your faith seriously or chose to own it yourself as opposed to maybe other people as they get into their twenties who decide not to, can you remember back or as you think about the last number of years, why that, why you defaulted that way? I honestly think it was just a call of Jesus on my heart. I I know there was a, uh, the time of major growth in my life, I just felt called to only listen to Christian music. And I was like, just eating up, you know, sermons online. Mm-hmm. WDCX was the only station I listened to. <laughs> and and I don't know why, like none of my friends were doing it. Everyone I told was like, you listen to WDCX? Like how old are you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It's just what I feel. And, and I grew a ton. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, in that time, I don't know. That's just what I felt called to. That's no longer necessarily exactly how I, I am, but yeah, but yeah that's... So these days, uh, I'm going to assume that your faith functions and feels very different than your faith growing up as a kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, Describe some of the main kind of features of it or, uh, you know, what's significant to your faith these days and and what God's doing in that. Um, I think my relationship with Jesus is growing kind of wider as I'm just learning to understand um, his love through the lens of a father. Hmm. Like that's been probably the greatest noticeable change for me. Um, sometimes I can be like a really crappy dad surprise. And, uh, and like, it just makes me realize that God is not like that. (laughs) Jesus is never a crappy dad to me. Um, and his love is, is just full of grace. Uh, whereas sometimes I have a hard time, you know, you know, forgiving my two-year-old for pooping in his diaper and not in the toilet, you know, and, you know, and meanwhile, he's like, you are so much worse than pooping in your diaper. Yeah. And like, I would give my life for you every time, you know, and it's just, that's the kind of the lens I've been seeing him through recently. Uh-huh. It's, it's amazing. And, and certainly from the experience of being a parent, you identify with the parental heart and nature yeah. of God to a greater degree. I remember a, a mentor years back had, had told me just on advice, they said, you know, for every kind of leadership or in, in corporate leadership book that you read. I want you to read a parenting book mm. uh, because the metaphor of leadership and the metaphor of the church in the Bible is way more family than business. Right. And so it, it actually is amazing how much you can learn about God and faith and faith and community when you focus on the parental dynamics yeah, of, absolutely. of how God works. It's, it's, it's pretty significant. Uh, anything else you want to say just that's, that's been uh, stimulating in the last or recent years in your faith that's significant? I think, I think very recently, uh, maybe like the last few months, I've just been learning that 
I don't think God wants me to see the whole picture. I think he just wants me to connect the next dot that he's leading me to. And, and I mean, like, that's just maybe a lesson in faith. Are you, are you a personality that often needs to see the whole picture before you can embrace something? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm type one Enneagram all the way. Okay. Okay. Okay, so you, you've got to see it all first before you'll buy it, trust it, whatever, and you're realizing that in life and in life with God, that's not going to happen. No. So can't be perfect in order yeah, to embrace. Right. Okay. Um, Aaron, as a next-gen leader, uh, you've also been around Southridge for quite some time. So what we want to do is give you a, a little bit of a voice here to kind of speak into life in our church. I will say that uh, I believe you're a big fan of the podcast. I you're am. certainly are yeah, a regular am, yeah. listener. So uh, this is rewarding one of our regular <laughs> listeners with the opportunity to share their thoughts. Enough, enough, enough listening. It's time yeah, to, exactly. Time to Here we go. Um, so th- that's what we want to do today. Uh, just entry level, uh, knowing you've been around Southridge for a number of years, but it hasn't been your only church or your only church experience. Uh, what would you say you like most about our church? Uh, the proactivity. I love that uh, we have anchor causes. Uh, I love our response to difficult questions on various topics. Um, and I just, I love that there's a sense that we're trying to seek God's will, even even in that discomfort of those difficult questions. Do you find that in, I don't know how exposed you are to other churches, but in, in conversation with people from other churches, that what you would describe as that proactivity or that eagerness or at least willingness to embrace more difficult conversations that that's actually rare i would i would I definitely think i don't rare, live yeah. outside of planet <laughs> southridge all that much yeah yeah um you you find that that's a rarer uniqueness of from my exp- does around here yeah from my experiences um like from my you know the church i used to go to and and just other other friends that go to other churches i just feel like yeah that's not a common a common that thing. was a pretty stark difference okay um, similar question. What do you like least about our church? Here we go. Here All we right. go. <laughs> All right. uh, 30 second yeah. answer for the first one. Now we're going to get into it. <laughs> okay. The coffee. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, if I'm not chewing my coffee by the, by the second half of the cup, like, I don't know how you guys can expect us uh. to stay awake for your sermons, but <laughs> no, on a serious note, um, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily what I like least about our church, but I do miss the small church community. Um, just like knowing knowing everyone by name and them knowing you, um, I don't necessarily think it's something that God call wants for all churches. But uh, were you ever part of Southridge when it was smaller? Oh no, a- Aaron's no. part of our St. Catherine's location. For those of us who are, are listening, so I know that some of some of how we've tried to navigate that benefit, especially in a, a kind of a smaller town dynamic like Niagara. Uh, is through the multi-site mm-hmm. structure and configuration that we have right now. We get the benefit of a larger church, but expressed in in some smaller communities. But St. Catherine's really isn't all that different. It's still a larger community, and it's 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 way past the sociological two hundred barrier. Yeah, where you know. Uh, kind of church sociologists will say that that's the that's the psychology benchmark where you no longer feel like you can know everybody okay right yeah, that 200 yeah. barrier yeah. so uh you know both in in vineland and in welland especially when they're in multi-service uh dynamics 
it still has that feel quite quite often. Okay. And so you do get a, a real small church feel as part of those communities. But in, in St. Catharines is pretty different in that in yeah. that sense. So there was never a time in St. Catharines where where you got that feeling. You no, only got no, that yeah. feeling from your previous church. Yeah, experience. we've been here. I've been here seven years. So seven years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, have you been able to find ways? to kind of crack through that here in St. Catharines and get to know people or, or feel some of the benefits and intimacies of the smallness? I think as time goes on, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty outgoing person, like I'm extroverted. and But even so, I feel like I'm just kind of hit, starting to hit the mark of like, oh, I'm knowing this person and that mm-hmm. person. I've just started like having all these, you know, where it's starting to feel a little bit more closer than, it, than it's been. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Any, any, has there been any strategy or behavior that you've learned really helps that? Cause I know some of the people listening, they struggle with that too. Yeah. And, you know, we feel like our church community is not necessarily the family or the, you know, close knit community that we idealize or envision it to be. And so has there been anything that you've learned practically that you can do that really helps that? have kids once you have kids people it's like they just learn of you because uh <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't help those of us listening that don't have kids so no uh practically i don't know it's just like stepping out there um doing what you know we're told to do at the end of every service and meet someone new um and it's not something i often do but when i do i usually feel like those relationships carry on past that sunday once you once you know each yeah. other's name it's like oh well you say how are you again in the yeah. hall but with a name and it goes okay. from there and uh final question on this like as a millennial, because we want to hear kind of the next gen perspective, is is that a perspective that's common to millennials or just unique to you, Aaron, where people are hungering for more of that smaller knit, you know, closer knit community? I feel like that's got to be a pretty a pretty general feeling. Everyone wants to have have close knit community, especially I think especially at church. I mean, if I think about it, it's got to be better for a church to have a lot of members that know each other than, and, and feel better to have, yeah, a, you know, yeah. to know, to know everyone. Uh, obviously you're not going to speak on behalf of everyone from your generation, yeah. but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get some generational opinions and sure. perspectives yeah. in this conversation. And now in a more monthly rhythm, uh, we're going to hear voices uh, from a similar demographic to you uh, contribute their thoughts and kind of speak into this from a next gen perspective. So this is both a millennial leader speaking and just Aaron speaking. We'll, we'll, we'll make that disclaimer at this point because we're going to start to get into the real right. hot, hot button uh, kind of issues. Um, we want to get a sense about the, the, the future, the direction of our church. And and for starters, what is what is your sense of how God is leading or more importantly, where God is taking our church? Um, I don't think I have like a a pinpointed idea of where he's taking our church, but in general, uh, I think I think Jesus has our church moving towards a deeper understanding of his love and and taking that love and passing it on to others. Like, like maybe he's teaching us to that there's like so many more layers to love than than we could have ever cared to to explore. But now he's actually calling us to those ways and and calling us to learn them. Hmm. That's yeah. that's that's cool. So both you would say both at an understanding level that there are deeper layers to the love of Christ that he wants to invite us into, into understanding, but then also translating into sharing and allowing others to experience that as well. Yeah. Great. That's a, 
deeper answer than I was probably prepared <laughs> oh, for. Oh, really? Oh, way to go. All right, let's end uh, this now. <laughs> along those lines, how important, I know in the last number of years, you know, we've really emphasized missional engagement, the from the relocation to downtown, to the opening of the shelter, to the launching of other sites and the emerging of anchor causes. And obviously the missional engagement component, we're right in the middle of our Hope Live series right now. Mm -hmm. So that this is a huge part of, of our church. And as a, as a pastor, I've always assumed that that would be something that would increasingly track with the next generation. Uh, can you comment on that? How important uh, for millennials and for next generation people and leaders, uh, how important is the missional engagement part of Southridge? Are you, are you speaking mainly like anchor cause engagement or the three? Yeah, specifically the anchor cause engagement of extending compassion and justice to, to others funny you should ask me because I'm not involved in an anchor cause. Okay, so <laughs> but, we'll just be convicting on that right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I thought I'd put that out there so no one's like, oh, Aaron's talking the talk. But anyways, um, I'll say this. I I, uh, I strongly believe and I'm very excited in the work that is done by the volunteers and the staff at our church. Um, and I think there's a, there's a, there is actually a great po um, population of, of millennials involved in, in our anchor cause here at South, at uh, Glenridge that I see. Um, but I, I would say the more information I receive through like videos that Mike Naundorf's putting together on, on Sunday or, or, uh, a couple Sundays ago when, when Nate Dirks, uh, was speaking, like, I just realized that a lot of the work that Jesus is up to in this church is happening through the hands and feet of so many volunteers. So I would say missional engagement is super important. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's way beyond the anchor cause participation, right? It's, it's life by life. I remember right. Nate asked a couple of weeks ago, you know, if, if, if you up and disappeared, would anyone notice? Right. Where you personalize that question yeah. that we've asked so often uh, as a church. And I found that very significant and certainly uh, convicting and inspiring to, to, to consider. Um, another feedback question on just the direction uh, with regards to our Sunday services, I mean, they have shifted significantly from you know, a, a paradigm that was organized like a classroom or like a concert or like a theater, right? It was more a, a show or something that you watched to something that now we're trying to stimulate a greater degree of engagement in, both in the service and as something that we can learn to be more spiritually engaged during the week. We've used this tagline of a spiritual gymnasium. Give us some next-gen feedback on that. Um, it's a great way to tell people you're going to the gym without having to get sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I love it. I it Like having a safe space, like just like a gym would be for, for physical workouts, uh, like on Sunday mornings where we can where you can seek Jesus in new ways uh, that could grow our relationships with him or or learn how to better worship him or understand his character. Like to me, it's critical to growth, just like a, you know, physical gym would be physical, would be yeah. or important for physical growth. Um, and for me, I think just being able to do that with others and like, in a way, like all, you know, be in this gym and working out together. Um, it's, it's huge. It's, it's, it's different than just being at home and, and reading my Bible or, uh, you know, listening to worship music, but when we're all doing that together, mm -hmm. it's huge. Yeah, especially when it helps teach and train you what or how to do other things than just read your Bible and listen to, to yeah. music. Like uh, different people have different pathways and certainly the scriptures refer to behaviors that will help us access the presence of God in our lives. Yeah. And if you're anything like me, it sounds like you, you are like, you know, the 
the quiet time of daily Bible reading is kind of like the the bowl of cereal in the morning, yeah. but the menu of how to connect with God isn't really that diverse. Yeah. And so for people who aren't sure how to do that or don't have that uh, awareness or creativity, if we can provide those kinds of exercises or other pathways to, to really be able to experience and access the, the presence of God in an ongoing way, uh, the more we're going to experience God in our life. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, Another piece of feedback on the direction of our church would be about this framework that we've been working through the last number of years called Love Beyond Belief. Uh, give me your next-gen sense of that. I, I love I love Love Beyond Belief. That's like my favorite new slogan. What are you – What I mean, let's peel that back a little bit. What, what are you liking about that? How does uh, that track with you? I, I could, I could like, spend all the podcast talking about this. Okay. This, so – I don't know. To, We've to hit me, a nerve, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Oh, here we go. Here we go. No, I, I just, I think, okay, so to me, it doesn't make sense to try and love in a different way than beyond belief um, because, because in my opinion, then you're adding rules or standards to love and, and that's not what Jesus's love is. There's no rules or standards to his love. We don't have to do anything. Um, and like, as much as adding rules or parameters is, is like my, that's my human natural tendency to, to to go. Yeah. I want to include conditions. Right. right? Conditions. And yeah, particularly, exactly. Particularly, I want to include like beliefs, w worldviews or perspectives or yeah. biases, or those are kind of the conditions on which I'm going to increasingly dispense right. love yeah. to a person. Yeah, exactly. And, and I just think like, I'm not sure that I, or like, frankly, you or Mike Krause or anyone who teaches us on a Sunday morning actually has beliefs that are perfectly aligned yeah. with the teaching of Jesus. Like yeah. I, that, cause that's to me perfection. And so like, I don't think we're like blatantly not teaching right. the truth, but I think that like, because we're incapable of that, like perfect comprehension, we just, we just don't. And so that puts us with who we'd call everyone else. And it's, that's just the position of being loved by Jesus beyond our beliefs. Mm. You know? Mm. So if, you know, am I tracking even, with, right? <laughs> even if you wanted to make beliefs, the condition on which you dispensed love to people, I'm hearing you say it, it would require that your beliefs are perfect. Right. Exactly. And since they'll never be, uh, they they can't have priority over the call to extend Christ's love. Right. And if we're if we're actually not mm. called to love beyond belief, then I can't be loved by Jesus. Yeah. No, because he loves me beyond my imperfect yeah, beliefs. Beyond my imperfect beliefs, uh, absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, sort of a bonus question along those lines. I, I I know that not everyone in our community has tracked with love beyond belief. In fact, it's caused a fair degree of difficulty, which I know you're aware of. What would you say to someone listening who's still struggling to feel like God is in this, and that this is a place? Uh, where they ought to invest their future because God is in this to a greater degree. Like if they're struggling with this whole love beyond belief thing, what would you say? Um, what's the harm in loving someone beyond their belief? Hmm. That's that's what I always ask is even if I'm wrong about this or our church is wrong about hmm. this, what does it hurt to actually just love someone purely anyways? Hmm. I I feel like it doesn't, hmm. but that's just my my opinion naive next gen thinking i guess we'll just <laughs> chalk that up but no that's a that's a great that's a great comment Aaron. appreciate that um another set of questions would be around uh the journey of generational transfer um 
I've certainly benefited from a church that has wanted to pass on leadership and authority and responsibility to the next generation. You know, these days when I look around our ministry and our leadership and even our staff, um, you know, it, it, it just at some level seems to be getting younger and younger and more people are kind of stepping up. So uh, I'd love to get your take on how this emerging generation that you're a part of is assuming greater degrees of leadership. Uh, from your perspective, how are you seeing younger leaders step up and take responsibility? Well, I gestured to it before. I, th- I think I see a lot of uh, young adults stepping up in the in the shelter. I think I think I think there's a community there. I'm again, I'm not involved, so I don't know. But from what I observe, I yeah. see a lot of them hanging out there. Um, and then I, I also see a lot of young leaders. I mean, outside of our staff in kids ministry volunteering. Yeah, and I think that's an amazing place for them to be yeah, in the young adults circle that's growing itself in worship leading. Uh, I would, I would certainly affirm that as well. Hmm. Um, the flip side would be, how are you seeing the church and its first generation leaders coming alongside and supporting that as, as a next gen leader, are you feeling like you are being invited in, empowered, supported by, you know, first generation leaders that are playing kind of a mentoring and encouraging role in your life? Oh yeah. Like a hundred percent. I, it, like being on worship teams, basically, I think honestly, it was the second Sunday we had actually decided that this is where we'd be planting ourselves, Ash and I. Um, Chris Fowler said to me, he's like, hey, what are we doing with worship? And I was like, I didn't know you knew who I was. Like, yeah. I mean, I did, but you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just some guy who walked into a church and and so he's like immediately like getting me rolling on the on the worship uh, teams. And then uh, from there, uh, Jeff Martins has like mentored me and, and just taken a lot of time. I mean, I guess he's part of our next gen, so maybe it doesn't count, but no, he's old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so he doesn't count. (laughs) I didn't think so. That's why I mentioned him. (laughs) Um, Sorry, Jeff. From your perspective, do do you, at 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 a macro level, do you see this generational transfer process continuing? Do you see an emerging generation becoming the leadership of the church? Uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think so. I, uh, I often question like, am I already inhibiting the next generation from like yeah. stepping up? You know, like is, sometimes I like, questioning, you know, is me being on stage actually like taking the place of someone who's twenty? I mean, I'm thirty. Like, someone twenty yeah. is ten years younger. Get them on stage yeah. in my spot and like, if there's anyone twenty listening and that's yeah. you, like, I encourage you to to do that. Like, yeah. And along those lines, you know, are there places that you see the next generation transfer process needing to be improved? Like, are there places where you you know, hey, this is going to stifle the twenty or the sixteen year olds from getting in the game? Well, I think I think we could find a better way to encourage everyone to be a leader. Like for me, when I was younger. Um, I, I felt like, and I was in larger groups, I felt like I was called to God by God to be a leader. Um, but often what would happen is like a leader in that group would, or sorry, like an older leader would, would say, oh, this one person is definitely a leader. He's got the leadership trait. And it really discouraged me from, I'm like, oh, am I just, you know, am I just like thinking too highly of myself or right, whatever? Right. Um, so maybe what we could actually the definition do. definition was too restrictive. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if there could be a way that we could help like all the members of the next generations to identify their strengths and teach them that we're all leaders in different ways and settings. Hmm. I think about in our, in our brave girls uh, program, Ellen Duffield introduces to very young emerging leaders, like grade six, seven, and eight. Yep. Um, her working definition of a leader is someone who looks at the world, says that something 
isn't the way it ought to be and does something about it. Yeah. And I, I, I love how generic that is because yeah. it can actually empower the leadership and influence of so many people as opposed to, like you said, a more traditional, you know, identification of a certain yeah. very narrow. You have this list of traits that yeah. creates a leader. It's like, no, we're all good at something. Yeah. And you can be we a can leader. We can all make a difference know? in some way. That's great. Um final set of comments would be just giving the rest of us insights on millennials to help us relate better and ultimately to include and empower millennials as the future, if not the present of our, of our church. Um, are there ways that your generation thinks about faith differently than previous generations that we should be aware of? Um, I think, I think through the techno uprise, technical uprise of our generation, mm. um, we're kind of more attuned to the cries of these times. Like, like we're just attuned to current events, right? And we find ourselves in maybe a different empathetic position than than generations past. Mm. Um, like we're the third generation from a major migration after World War II. And I remember in seventh grade, a TV being rolled into class and watching that second plane f- fly into the Trade Center. And it's yeah. like, well, I don't think that ever happened before. Like, I don't think kids 12 years old were seeing that happen in years before me. Yeah. Um, let alone and, with access to the internet and yeah, uh, yeah. What, we, what we now have instant access to globally. Yeah, We're exactly. Way more attuned with the, the, the cry of the world. And we've grown up at a young age just exposed. Yeah. Like yeah. we've seen a lot. So I don't know exactly how that contributes to the understanding mm-hmm. of faith, but I just think it has a big play in it. That's a, that's a great comment. Um, what does your generation need from a church that's unique or disproportionate to millennials, do you think? This is an intimidating question on behalf of millennials. I, I was like, <laughs> to oh, how, you. Do, I, how yeah. do I answer this? I, I think for us as millennials, we could really use prayer. I think that in general, mm-hmm. we're just we're just a tormented generation largely due to social media. Um, I think it's hard for us to believe that our identity is in Christ when, when everywhere we look actually just tells us otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so specifically prayer that we'd be able to find and be strong in the identity that we have in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really helpful to our generation. That's a, that's a very astute comment. And you know, finally, what do you feel this next generation of leaders will bring to our church family that's going to make our church better for the future? I don't know if it's necessarily anything different, but what I hope is that we will just offer the pursuit of Jesus, which is what I feel like generations past have done. And, and if our generation can keep pursuing Jesus, then I will be very proud of our generation. Yeah. Well, that's great. I, I, I mean, based on this conversation, I think the thing that I'm walking away with the most is is your sense that God is leading us into deeper layers of His love, yeah, understanding exactly. it and sharing it. Um, I, I I feel like if every next generation participant and every next generation leader can remind all of us that that's ultimately what matters to God and where he wants to lead us as Mm -hmm. a community that uh, we'll have a a pretty bright future as a church family. So thanks for being here. I do hope, Aaron, that you will listen to this podcast. (laughs) He said, I've listened to all of them and I'm not listening to this one. So (laughs) I hope you do. This has been a really great conversation. I want to thank everyone uh, for joining in again this week as we continue finding our way together. We'll see you later.